Good evening, everybody. This is Michael Kelly here. I have a quick update before we dive right into tonight's episode concerning the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy uh, conclusion, uh, Rebirth of Mothra 3. Um, so concerning the release of uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, originally that had been, as you know, moved from spring of this year to November of this year, uh, 2020. And uh, that was the case when we recorded this episode back in late May, early June of 2020, I believe. But since then, you know, good old coronavirus, it's the global pandemic uh, that just won't quit on us. And uh, so uh, the things have been moved back yet again. So uh, next year, originally, The Matrix Part 4, which is a film that, you know, everybody was clamoring for, uh, is getting pushed back another year so that's coming out sometime in 2022 uh so because that slate is now opened up uh now godzilla versus kong is going to be taken out of the november slot and plugged into that may 21st 2021 slot and as of late july 2020 uh that is when it is supposed to come out now so almost an entire uh year uh from now you know a 10 months basically from now so uh okay that's it and now we take it back to our regularly scheduled show years get your hands off that stimulus package ladies and gentlemen welcome to the godzilla pod war hour uh my name is michael kelly and with us as always mr nathan allen bear nathan how are you doing sir jovial jovial happy to be back here uh, via the internet, talking with you about men in rubber suits. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yes, um, we are here today, without further ado, to discuss the rebirth of Mothra 3. We're closing out the, the standalone Mothra trilogy, which, um, important to distinction, does not include, uh, you know, the the good Mothra movie from the 1960s. That's its own thing. No. no. <laughs> yes. And iconically. Uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, which is also an amazing movie. That is not part of this trilogy either. This is the ending uh, to the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy in the mid-90s. This one actually came out in 1998. Um, and like a certain current space theme trilogy on the second movie, pisses off fans just bring in the director of the first <laughs> always always a sound idea uh, i mean i'll allow it i think that's some yeah some last jedi <laughs> shade there but um i'll allow it this one time um but yeah this is i i remember this was the one that I I started watching I think before we we began the podcast and I found it on like daily motion or some weird like non YouTube video streaming service and I watched like 10 minutes of it and um I was just like I cannot do this like what in the hell is happening <laughs> cuz like the first I don't know, seven minutes or whatever are just the the Elias fairies like talking about God knows what. Um, right. And, you know, all this dinkle dinkle stuff. 
And I, it's too bad, actually. It's too bad that I didn't wait uh, another minute because uh, Mothra, Gidra, and Mothra are both introduced within like the first 15 minutes and proceed right. to fight one another for the next 70 minutes straight. So if I could have just held out a little longer, um, you know, but uh, no, I, I had to turn it off. Um, but I guess somewhere, you know, in the intervening years, my standards have dropped considerably for what I consider to be entertainment and worth my time because uh, upon watching it <laughs> this time, you know, I thought it was okay. I, I definitely got through it. The pacing was, I guess, good enough that I could watch it without, you know, examining sort of myself in a mirror for too long and being like, why are you doing this? Uh, so I guess that's my that's my official stamp of approval but um, definitely a product of its time and definitely I think the producers and the director um, just going way too far into like you you know there's you can make your film aimed at kids Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that like that's not a substitute like you can't just make like 40 percent of the plot just shots of like a group of like 200 kids just being like oh you know and like hey you're you're a child watching children and you know this is plot (laughs) this this is a story right now you know (laughs) that doesn't work story you realize that in this movie they completely throw the uh like the attempt uh at environmental um issues just seem to be thrown out like i don't know about you but you know the first one was definitely like logging like mining for 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 trees inside of a mountain is bad right um because we have a guy doing just that and then polluting the waters uh, at least at the beginning of part two um you know, is mentioned and then just, you know, forgotten about. Uh, and then in this one, they're like, I mean, unless they're trying to say that, you know, children are our most precious resource, <laughs> um, that the, the, I, I don't really find that there's nothing really environmentally conscious about this movie. And I think probably for the better, because the yeah. last thing this movie needs is a message that there's uh, attempt and I'll, uh, I'll, lean heavily into this later uh where, where you think it's going to have some kind of social commentary about um poverty or you know, what children have to eat or something like that and that's just completely discarded and never brought up again <laughs> um yeah. um so so yeah it, it, it's it's interesting but what it lacks in maybe more efficient story it makes up for with lots and lots of destruction like good kaiju destruction which i tend not to like focus too heavily on because it's not like the only thing these movies should be about but in this case it's like yeah i i i i I need this yeah I, i need some buildings to fall down i need some people to run in terror uh, while trying not to laugh as the AD is, you know, screaming at them, faster, faster, look more scared. Um, <laughs> I, 
definitely appreciated more the fact that it like finally felt more like a real kaiju movie with those scenes i mean there was that brief actually okay there was the scene in one uh rebirth of mothra one where they're like destroying or uh des de is destroying the like logging area right or whatever and that was kind of like the you know and there's more scenes in that movie where it's destroying like the woods but yeah. <laughs> it's not destroying like buildings and then you know Dagarla yeah. or Dagarla or whatever uh, in two <laughs> does destroy that small sort of city um it's more of like a hamlet you know they got one like six story building or whatever yeah. um and it's pretty decent destruction. There's some good model work yeah. there, but it didn't yeah. quite feel up to the, like. It, it felt it felt more like the level of destruction of something like Varan, where it's like yeah. you know there's like that one scene for yeah. where Varan just kind of comes to the Haneda airport and kind of like destroys one of the baggage claim areas, <laughs> you know. <laughs> My luggage. <laughs> no, my luggage. This monster must be stopped. Uh, you know, so it's not like. So in this one, yes, there's scenes with with Gidra, uh, actually destroying like full size buildings, uh, yeah. which is nice, and uh, that I appreciated. But um, I guess we can get into that when when we get into it. But couple of quick things um the as you said the director okihiro yanada uh, returns from from the first film uh and the music once again is by uh from the first film i should say is by toshi yuki watanabe and um i believe uh Toshiyuki is responsible for a couple of like the pop songs that the Elias have to sing, you know, that in, in instead of like plot, I guess that's a low blow. All Toho monster movies have songs like <laughs> as oh, plot yeah. devices, even the best ones. But, right. um, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla if there wasn't like a three minute long <laughs> sequence with no dancing. Uh, I know just, that just music. You could just you could just focus on the um, just the just the singing, uh, right? At that point. Exactly. But again, you know, much like the um, the uh, wedding scene from uh, Deer Hunter, it just wouldn't be the same movie if they were to cut that out. Uh, and the special effects were done by Kenji Suzuki. Uh, sorry, Kenji Suzuki, and trying some new things in this which will i think we can get to when we are actually talking about the scenes themselves but some some different sort of techniques um you know the cast is is in no way important uh so we're just not going to talk about any of them uh oh except yes yes okay so there's very little information about any of the actors on either at least america's imdb or wikipedia except for that the uh, actress that played uh, the mother, uh, what played is the same woman that played the dead mom in Audition, like in the opening of Audition. That's the same actress. Um, but more interesting is that the dad, 
uh, played by Mr. Atsushi Onita, uh, was actually a career wrestler. A career uh, wrestler in Japan. A professional wrestler. Uh, like Goldberg. A professional wrestler. Yes. Okay. Uh, in uh, one of their, uh, one if not several of their leagues. Uh, and then from there, with his celebrity, did what, uh, you know, many celebrities do. They got into uh, politics. So he was actually a member of the Diet. Um, and then he was... Uh, well, he had to leave due to a sex scandal, which, at least according to Wikipedia, his exit from politics was forced by a sex scandal in which he was alleged to have used government accommodations to host a threesome with a pornographic film actress and the female employee of the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure, and Transportation. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that. So that's the dad in this movie. That's a twist you didn't see coming right there. Yeah, Holy cow. Holy yeah. cow. There's no information on any of the other, like the kids, like Sota, who I'm just going to refer to as Japanese Joseph Gordon Lovett because he's just Japanese Joseph Gordon Lovett. I'm going to refer to him. I'm going to refer to him. I'm going to refer to him as Japanese piece of cardboard because that's <laughs> that kid and all the kids, all the actors, everyone in this movie is just, you look at them and it's just dead air. It's just dead air. <laughs> Like they're just they are blanks. They are. It's almost. I maybe I missed. There was like a side thing where there's like also an alien invasion, and it's like wiping people of any sense of personality or like something. But like oh, everyone see, uh, in this blocking the force. Right. Or, right. Or yeah. So uh... I don't know, man. But like Jesus and and, and Shota, he is the only human character to make an impact but it's simply due to him being funneled through the plot and thusly having more screen time than anyone else but like i don't know any more about shota uh other than his parents like don't well we'll get into that but like okay uh (laughs) yeah no he's a blank he is a blank clear from this movie yeah um so this was released in uh, December twelfth, nineteen ninety-eight, in Japan. Uh, it has subsequently been released a couple of times here in the states. On uh, there was a DVD uh, set of uh, I think the entire Rebirth of Mothra trilogy, and then like a Blu-ray set. And they may have also been released. There's different combinations. Like I think one and two were released a couple of times and then three was like released separately but there's been a few opportunities to get your hands on it um but uh as of uh you know late may early june 2020 um it's pretty easily uh you know if, if if you want to watch this that goal can be very easily achieved by simply you know, a very cursory search on your preferred search engine. It's, you know, up, at least for me, there was a pretty high quality version of the entire movie. Japanese subtitles look great, you know, for what it is. But the picture quality was crystal clear. Um, yeah. You know, so these are not, weirdly, these are not difficult movies to find. So if you're feeling masochistic, you have 90 minutes. Uh, 
<laughs> and a bottle of Everclear. And a bottle, uh, a bottle of Old Dominion rubbing alcohol, and uh, you want to you want to kill the last of those brain cells, and you know. <laughs> Uh, another thing I did want to mention before we get into the main thrust of the of the show is the just the amount of Mothras in this movie the like the amount of forms that uh, Mothra Leo has in this movie. Oh, he's uh, a girl, apparently. Yes. Or changes sex somewhere between the movies. This, I mean, I don't got know, a sex like, change. In, in, yeah. So you notice that it's too. Totally okay. It's just it's not really explained. Uh, no. Well, they, and, they just okay. Uh, well, Nate, are you basing that off of the when they initially summon Mothra and I think Lowell says she came uh, in, in the subtitles? Because that's what I'm well, basing several, it off of. Several times in the movie, I, I kept saying, at least in the subtitles, again, I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> So I have to rely on the translation. So it, for all we know, it was or for all I know, I should say, like it, it it's uh you know could have been a botched uh, subtitle. But you know I kept seeing she the okay. whole time, and I don't remember that in part two. So. No, yeah, I mean, I think, and you know, according to various resources on the internet at least who whoever's in charge of curating those resources uh, is definitely under the operating knowledge that Mothra continues to be Mothra Leo the, the same mm-hmm. Mothra that we saw at the end of Rebirth of Mothra 2 because it's in mm-hmm. rainbow Mothra form uh, right. at the beginning of this movie which if you recall is because Goro sacrificed himself the furby from the end of part two so that mothra could turn into to rainbow mothra and just very easily destroy uh his opponents sort of a running thing uh in the series but we'll get into that but just the amount of like mothra forms in this movie is a difficult to metamorphoses in this film just a difficult to keep track of first of all and b just sort of like kind of getting to a point of exhaustion and a point of like sort of you can see behind the curtain of mm-hmm. um the storytelling and 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 the filmmakers as far as like you know there's nothing really happening here from from a movie standpoint like this is like empty and like boring because it's yeah you, you know when I you mean, get down to brass icing, uh, it, it's just like layering and layering more icing on a very thin cake yeah and it's set dressing it, you, you you feel yeah set dressing you you feel that really what their their the mindset was like well it we could hire another writer to you know help flush this out a bit or we could save more money by just making five more suits right. uh, just because i wrote it down because i got very confused and, and mixed up the the order of mothra's forms mm-hmm. in this film are as follows rainbow mothra aqua mothra light speed mothra who then changes back into rainbow mothra uh and is then metamorphizes into armor mothra and then finally becomes uh eternal mothra and you know 
because I just, you know, 2020, and I want to be fair and, 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 you know, fair and balanced here. Like, Toho has always had this sort of thing in their their kaiju movies where it's, you know, has like a card up its sleeve uh, in like the end of the second act, beginning of the third act, like, you know, in Rodan, when Rodan is attacking the city, you find out, oh, there's two Rodans or mm. the end of Mothra versus Godzilla, you know, the egg hatches finally, it's not one larva, it's two of them, you know, or yeah. like, you know, Kong gets lightning powers at the end of King Kong versus Godzilla. There's always some like, you know, little trick, little thing. Be like, ah, it's not quite what you were expecting. But at some point, that kind of morphed into, and then you can see like, by the time you get to like Godzilla versus Hedora, where Hedora just sort of has like five forms or whatever and changes right. betwixt them at will. It's getting a little worse there, but still, that movie is a monument to quality compared to this. The Rebirth of Mothra 3 with these several Mothra forms and stuff it just seems like the ludicrous kind of, uh, you know, endpoint of that where you use the, these transformations and form, you know, changes as a as plot. And this mm-hmm. is this is like the end of that, you know, this is where that kind of terminates where it's just like, right. okay, you had Mothra change seven times. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you but know, again, I think it's not really super insert. Like I could understand going back in time and turning into, you know, Doctor Who Mothra or something like right. that. I, I could get that, which would actually be cute. You'd have the scarf and the hat anyways. Uh, <laughs> but um, the, you know, like, for example, in Terror of Mechagodzilla, there's the scene where Godzilla again rips off Mechagodzilla's head, which is what he did in the first one, only to reveal that there's another head underneath this time. So it's like, oh, the same thing won't work this time. You, right. you, you know, it's like Godzilla's going to have to find another way to destroy Mechagodzilla. Um, so in this, it, it's like, yes, Mothra's constantly changing, but there's like no real service to that. Right. You know, it's just like, oh, there's that. There, there's a new there's a new suit. There we go. You know, right. the, you know it, it would be like if a character changed clothes betwixt every single scene for no reason other than the fact that they just wanted to show off different lingerie, which I guess in a comedy would be hilarious, but in a kaiju movie aimed right. at, you know, eight-year-olds, it's like, eh, mm. You know what it, it, it yeah. reminds me of is in, especially like the latter Fast and the Furious movies, when it's like mm-hmm. every new set piece, every member of the team has a new version of their car. Like Dom has yeah. like a new, like even crazier GTO, you know, mm-hmm. or Challenger. Um, and it's it's like that where it's just like, oh no, this is you know it's shaped like a moth, but it's a little different now. And here's the next thing, and here we go. I mean, sometimes you have different powers associated with it, and obviously the progression is always from the weakest to the strongest for right. plot purposes. But like again, it's just like empty set dressing, and instead yeah. of like having actual interesting things happen, right? Um, so maybe, cool. maybe to find, but the, be, the best metaphor I can think at this point would be saying like Power Rangers or 
uh, Digimon where it's like the evolution is for like it, it has to get to that point where it changes and that's when it defeats the enemy like the change is necessary like it has to keep going up levels to defeat the bad guy right as opposed to just changing for the sake of like right. uh, uh, we've got empty space right <laughs> exactly uh, okay <laughs> well I think obviously we've got a lot to talk about here a lot to get through so without further ado a little musical interlude and then we will continue deconstructing the rebirth of Mothra part 3 <laughs> エリアス and now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to dissect that plot. Indeed. Um, okay, so, you know, we start on Infant Island, uh, the one, other than the, you know, the fact that it's Mothra, and Mothra's a big moth, uh, the one other piece of, like, conical information held over from the, the real Mothra movies. Uh, right. <laughs> in, in a sequence that looks, I kept wanting to say it looked more like, at first I was like, oh, this feels like James Bond. Then I was like, it feels like Indiana Jones. No, it feels like Cubby Broccoli trying to make a James Bond movie in the vein of Indiana Jones. I, it looks like shit. Uh, yeah. So that it, you, you, it look, so, so we follow this long tracking shot into this temple. Uh, and even with my like monitor on like full brightness, it's really hard to see at, at moments. Mm-hmm. Um, we come to uh, so within this crumbling temple, we see uh, Bellavar, Rita Repulsa, whatever her name is. I think it's Bellavara. Uh, not that it matters. Bellavara, Bellavara. So she is opening this uh, cartoonishly large chest because she's tiny. Uh, so she opens it up, and uh, there is a map or something on the inside. Something. Uh, Something. It, I thought it was like a, a cart, like a, a compass, like a normal person compass. And she was opening it up, but she's small, so it's like huge. Um, but I think it was a map. Uh, I'm not <laughs> entirely positive. There's a lot of dialogue. So so Maul and Laura, you know, confront her, and she says something about. Uh, it's the it's. It releases this, like, 
thing of light or something, and she says, right. she, Bellavar is saying something about the Elias Triangle that yes. is the Remember, source. They are the, yeah. And they are the Elias, and it is the source of their power. Okay? Right. And they seem very confused. They seem yes. to not know. They're like, oh, what? Like, this is new, somehow new information to them. Keep in mind, all these fairies do, yeah. or all the Elias do, is just to my knowledge, just hang out in this temple and they're like millions of years old. So like, right. how has this not come? And this is the source of their power. Right. How is, yeah. how did this not come up during like day two yeah. <laughs> or day one? You know, it's like, yeah. Hey, what's the thing that's keeping us going? You know, I mean, I guess right. they're not eating food. Like what? Right. So, you know, great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Are already uh, great stuff. Tre- treating the audience like uh, you know adults, like garbage. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, Belavara, um, she flies away on uh, what? What's the name for her dragon it's, again? It's Guru Guru, and Guru Guru is uh, clearly accepting its 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 best reality, living its best yeah. life as a fully open openly cyborg. Uh, yes. I, I put it, you know, because it was sort of like a closeted cyborg in uh, the first one. It's like yeah. you didn't know it was a cyborg until the very end of the movie. Yeah. When it was yeah. like. And it's like, oh, it was, it was a cyborg. Yeah, it, it, it was, it, you know, it was the closest not thing the way that was like significant, like Ash in um, in Alien. <laughs> right, right. It was it was it was much more akin to like. You know, Poochie was an alien from The Simpsons. Like, it was just, like, this completely arbitrary decision on the the, the, the filmmakers. You know, they're just like, oh, and Guru Guru's a robot. I mean, it was probably done so that they weren't, didn't, like, kill a living being on screen right. or whatever. Right. That's probably why they did it. But it still yeah. comes off as in of a very in confusing... Movie, like, you know, they have... Uh, uh, the Desgidora like trying to murder a caterpillar like there's blood and all that other stuff coming out i mean it's just like right know, whatever yeah sorry so why, why am i even questioning this why right. am i questioning it? but but um, now so anyways guru guru who was in the second film as well but yeah. now guru guru like is all looking post-apocalyptic and has like half the half robot face looks like yeah. Jack Palance on the poster for Cyborg 2, or I guess Terminator 2 would be the more, uh, you know, whatever uh, popular example. Universal Guru Guru. Uh. (laughs) Right. It looks like the poster for Universal Soldier 2, the Showtime original movie starring Gary Busey from 1994 that no one has seen. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Universal Soldier The Return. No, 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 no. That was not the second Universal Soldier movie. Do the research. Follow the money. All right. Wake up, sheeple. All right. Universal Soldier The Return was the fourth Universal Soldier movie. I could go on about this for hours. Uh, Sorry. Anyways. (laughs) What is happening? Call the police. Anyways, uh, five minutes in, um, Bellavara flies away on Guru Guru. Uh, she drops a couple of um, triangular things um, that I guess part of the Elias Triangle or whatever. And, and she mentions something about the the King of Terror. 
and the ultimate um, ultimate power, something like that. Um, and drops these like little triangles. Uh, Maul and the other one, uh, you know, try and see like they're like, oh, this looks like you know the side of my dagger. And so after some experimentation. Uh, they realize that, like, each one has, like, a specific, like, is for their daggers, and it makes it grow, like, I don't know, like, two feet, so it's like a sword instead of a dagger. Yeah. So, ooh. Um, you know, that that was, I'm sure, like, a fifth of the, <laughs> the budget of this movie was just to create that special effect. <laughs> um, anyways, so, yeah, so then they're talking about, like, the King of Terror, and um, you would... From the way it's set up, you would think that, like, again, Balavara was, like, going to be awakening a monster. But then this meteor comes, and it doesn't seem to have anything to do with whatever Balavara was doing. Right. It just seems to be a coincidence that a giant, yeah. like, meteor comes and explodes over, you know, the the, the Sea of Japan um, and scatters everywhere. Yeah. It's From con- there, we cut. It's confusing. Yeah. The way it's done, because it seems like Ghidorah comes out of just one random chunk of the meteor, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and, and there, there's no like buildup. There's no like you know it's coming out of fire, and we see it in its you know hellish glory crash zoom into its three heads, uh, like you know, like we'd expect. Um, so then we cut to a guy in a truck, um, and he's got a. A, he's got a watermelon in the passenger seat with his hat on, and if you look carefully, he's got a Tails from like Sonic the Hedgehog. He's got a Tails plush doll. Yes. In the back of the truck. Good which, catch. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that too. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, hey, remember Sega? <laughs> <laughs> we all remember Sega, don't we? <laughs> um, the, so this is the uh, second film I've seen this year with Tails in it. The first one was Sonic the Hedgehog, starring Jim Carrey. Yeah, so that's a bit the of a spoiler. Last movie to be screened in a movie theater. It's all over with. Um, it's all over with. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's that's a history right there. Um, so he, he uh, on his way home, we cut to presumably his family. Um, what we could infer. Um, so we have, uh, I think kids were playing a game, two little kids were playing a game, and the mom is asking Sota, Japanese Joseph Gordon-Lovett, uh, to taste the food that she's cooking, um, and he suggests she adds more, like, salt or something. Um, dad comes home. Yeah, and uh, he's also, like, really bitchy about it and asks her to, like, chop the onions more finely. Right, and right. And it's just, like, like you immediately hate this character yeah <laughs> and i i think yeah, sorry the Nate. way he's talking to her it's like you think this is something like more like a, a how a sister or like a brother and sister would talk right not like you know a son to you know his mother yeah um, i mean not not if uh, you and, are raising the son correctly to show right. respect to his which, beloved mother um which as you can see the parents are slackers oh yeah uh, yeah yeah hippies, uh, well i mean uh, I did want to correct you real quick, Nate. the The boy's name is Shota. S H O T A. Not that it matters in the least, but continue. Well, I should, yeah. Okay, so Japanese Joseph Gordon Lovett is rude to his mom, um, but it ends up bearing fruit his rudeness because when Dad comes home to eat and gives the family the watermelon, uh, his wife's cooking is delicious and he enjoys it. Um, 
and then uh, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some other like dialogue that goes on. But um, it, next day, uh, the kids are going to school, uh, but Shota is not uh, because he doesn't want to. I guess. I guess that's okay. Yeah, uh, and it's have, I guess more important things to worry well, about. And and I wanted to say because I know you want to talk about the lunch thing, right? But yeah. I I also wanted to say just from the practical like nuts and bolts of the plot standpoint, at this point, it appears, and from you know Shota's that that actor's performance, what we can infer is that uh, Shota's family and, and parents are allowing him to stay home from school for an indeterminate uh, amount of time, but it's been going on for at least a day, possibly days or weeks. And the only reason why he's able to do this is, he, and again, this is all I could pick up from it, is that he's slightly moody. Not not like angry, not like even emo or screamo or um, like he's not in his room, like, you know, just taking things of black paint and a brush and just like, you know, going Pollock style, uh, the, you know, like just, <clears throat> yeah, listening to Marilyn Manson and all this like, or whatever, like, no, 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 it's, he's either slightly moody, but it's in a way where it's like, it could easily be mistaken for maybe he's just sort of tired. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, it's not. It's not like a problem child. He's just sort of like he's just got this kind of smirk, and it's like you just get to, to stay home from school just because you have that smirk. What? 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 That takes me out of the movie more than anything else. And there's a lot of like stuff that can take you out of this movie, but that conceit right there is like crazy but sorry continue with, oh, well, with this you know, other well that's that's a good setup because we we find like uh again with the moodiness that that like the parents who i guess didn't ask shota himself like what was wrong or like maybe he wouldn't admit what was wrong uh the the little sister who like looks several years younger says that he shota is in love with her classmate which is weird I mean, well whatever adolescence is adolescence but uh she says that like the reason is is because she's forced to eat the school food which is apparently terrible because she's like poor um and you know the mom's just like yes but the the food is nutritious it's like that you know you know that's how you live by by eating and the sister's like yeah but is it right to force somebody to eat uh food they don't like and this is turning into like the uh, original like thanks Michelle Obama uh, kind of <laughs> protest coming from the the kids um, over food. Now this plot point, at least I don't know about you, Mike. I saw this like come back like th th this was not brought up again. No, throughout no, the they they the they and never mention any of this. We don't even again. see said girl. To my knowledge. Well, I think, and far be it from me to correct you, Nathan, I think your interpretation of the scene might be slightly erroneous. I believe uh, Shota's sister is presenting the, uh, the story about the school lunch not as a catalyst for Shota's mm -hmm. behavior, 
but more mm-hmm. liking it to a an example of uh, someone else sort of like sort of acting the same way because of a similar situation. I think what she's trying to communicate okay. with the lunch story, not that any of this is in any way important, because um, you're right, it is never mentioned again. Right. I, I think it's um, just trying to say that like Shota – like, is it the, the the point of the scene to me at least was like, is it right to make someone go to school, like a child? Okay. <laughs> is it right to make a child go to school if they don't want to go? It, which is where I saw it, at, which is yeah. a which very dangerous. Like, like yeah. Th- there's there's some uh, kind of some dangerous ideas introduced in the course of this film. Yeah. Uh, and and there's another monologue by the Elias uh, by Bellavara pretty late in the game um, that I'll get to when we get to that point that is also uh, frankly much like this concept of like oh the kid can just stay home from school because he's like slightly tired and he's got you know a case of dry mouth or whatever uh, <laughs> sort of uh, irresponsible to introduce right. these ideas into a children's film. So, anyways. Um, uh, oh, and uh, so the, 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 the kids are, so the kids go to the bus, and then um, the parents, I guess, go to whatever jobs they do. It, it really doesn't matter. But um, the mother says, like, oh, by the way, Shota, don't go into the forest. And so I, all I could put down was like, let me guess, he's going to go into the forest. Amazing. And it's like he, the way it's filmed is almost like, like inadvertently like comedic genius because he, like he doesn't, he waits until her car is just barely out of the driveway. Like we can still see her car in the same shot exiting the driveway as she ostensibly goes to work and remember shota is staying home from school ostensibly Mm -hmm. to like because he's like whatever you know he's got fungus in his feet or something and in the same framing you know car pulling out and driving away and shota walking towards his bike and grabbing his bike and taking it out the driveway to go immediately to the woods (laughs) It's just like, he doesn't, if all she had to do, yeah, all she had to do was simply look out her windows at the house and she would see very clearly Shota just like walking over to his bike and getting ready to leave. So like, he doesn't, you know, if you're going to, if you're a kid sneaking around on your parents and stuff, do yourself a favor, wait 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes. They could have forgotten something. They're, they're human. You know, they, maybe they forgot. Maybe she forgot her lunch or something. You know, give it well, 15, it would, 20 it would minutes. Twice as interesting if, like, he and, like, said other girl or something, or, or maybe, like, he and a, a, another outcast, like, student, boy or girl, whatever, like, hated school and, you know, but they had the secret. You know, they could have had some whole, like, bridge to Terabethia thing, but, you know, not as sad, obviously, where, like, they go into the woods and that somehow is connected to Ghidra. And there's something in the woods they have to stop. You know, something that would give the characters depth yeah. <laughs> instead of them just being there. 
but uh, sorry, we, we need to keep going because right. this is We're, this is we are two minutes in to a ninety minute movie, in. so and uh, Nate has a hard out, so we gotta we have to, you know, uh, ever forward. Uh, yeah. So okay, so, I think um, then we, we can cut to the school and uh, the the kids are po being hooligans, and one kid is playing uh, tamagotchi. Well, hold or something, up, hold like up, on his cell phone. Oh, what? sorry. Sorry, uh, they there's a scene that like because that's during the day, and then they oh. immediately jump to a scene at night of uh, the two Elias, Laura and Maul on the back of Ferry, mm-hmm. which again, uh, the most uncreative names of all time. Just call it right. Lil Mothra or or Mini yeah. Mothra or something because yeah. that's what it is. It's like a Mothra toy. That they're riding, yeah. basically, it's like it the size of a shoe. It, it, yeah, <laughs> um, it should have like a big cartoonishly cartoon key in the back of it that they have to keep winding. Yeah, up like TikTok and Return to Oz. Sorry. Absolutely, they should have to keep winding it up. Uh, <laughs> you know, but no, they just call it fairy. Cool, creative, well done. Um, anyways, there's a scene where the piece of meteorite that has landed in the woods is uh like has dissolved into this viscous discharge this goop mm-hmm. and fairy and the and the uh, elias kind of fly over it and then fairy proceeds to use her her antennae as like uh like a scan and it's like the scanning thing from the beginning of aliens when they scan <laughs> like ripley's escape pod or whatever and it's like so I'm starting to think, like, is Fairy also a robot? Like, what is going... Because yeah. this is clearly, like, mechanical technology that yeah. Fairy is using. It's not, like, magic. It's like, this is a mechanism here. So, whatever. And then also that scene, uh, the Gidra juice, uh, really made me think oh, yeah. of um, Creepshow when uh stephen king gets the meteor like the the lonesome death of uh jordy whatever when he breaks open that meteor and there's like the green stuff and he's like meteor shit um because that's that's what it was it was meteor shit and that's a whole chasm of meteor shit uh where the uh they, they scan it and say it has something to do with the dinosaurs and that um I guess you know the King of Terror. I don't even know if they bring up Gidra's name at this point, but right. they 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 say the King of Terror. You know, this is you know what's coming is the same thing that killed the dinosaurs. Yes. Um, so then then it goes to the classroom scene, yeah, which is just yeah. baffling. Yeah. Just baffling. Yeah. So kids playing Tamagotchi, and then he looks out the window. I guess they hear a noise. And we see kind of the shadow of Ghidra, I believe, or at least part of him, like, come across the window. And then yeah. all the kids, like, or the teacher's freaking out, like, the whole building's shaking. And everyone, of course, is looking at the window. You know, because, you know, when an earthquake or something big happens, you go immediately to a window. Um, so you can get that glass straight into your face. Um and so after, like, some shaking and whatnot, um, the teacher gets up and, like, the kids are gone. Right. And, like, I also wanted to mention in this scene, 
the kid who's playing playing the thing, and I don't think it's a Tamagotchi, but it it's like some kind of, some kind of portable hand device. But he's clearly playing a video game with a little uh, Rodan on it. I think it's oh. supposed to be Rodan, which possibly is a reference to the fact that Rodan was supposed to be the villain in this movie originally, and it was going to be Mothra really? versus Rodan, which. I mean, would be more interesting than just seeing Gidra for the 10 billionth time. But uh, maybe there was a Rodan fan on the crew who, like, you know, snuck that in there. Uh, But, yeah, no, the way this scene is filmed, it makes you feel like you are uh, stepping into a pool of your own madness. Because it's, you know, again, if they were all gone, then you could be like, oh, you know they got sucked out the window but it's just the kids are gone and the teacher is like just looking around being like you know hey what happened and like yeah. you know what i mean and so they they sort of explain what's going on in like two or three minutes of screen time but like in the meantime it's just you can't it's just your brain shuts down after that scene you're just like wait what yeah um and then but, yeah. at some point um the like we we don't really get a good shot of Gidra for a little while. Um so first um Lol and Mole or whatever their names are, they decide that now is the time to call Mothra, which it's like, yeah, no shit. Uh and they do a I don't know what to describe it, a bossa nova cover of the Mothra song. Yeah. <laughs> so, something like that. Um and, and that happens. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we then we get to see Ghidorah proper, and he actually looks pretty terrifying. He looks ancient and angry, uh, and he proceeds to wreck the city. Like, he tears the city a new one, and it's like, yes, yes, break, blow that city up. Wreck <laughs> yeah. that city. You're, yeah, it's, you, you sort of, you know, you take a second to pull yourself out of your stupor, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Is this the, literally the only reason why I watch these movies? The city destruction? Oh, that's nice that they, you know, kind of threw us a bone here. And it is, it seems like uh, they're kind of picking and choosing as far as like the destruction is really cool and stuff. But it's like the, the, the way it's done is kind of a half step between the destruction of like the Heisei Godzilla movies and then um, the Heisei like uh, Gamera movies where it, like it right. looks better <laughs> I guess is the only way I could describe it yeah. but like it, it, essentially what they're doing is they're taking real background plates of you know actual cities and actual buildings and they're like precision like blue screening in the destruction just in time so it like like covers up the buildings is the only way i can describe it right. um and but it looks really cool um yeah. and it yeah it's uh boy if they just had more of that in this movie it would be great cuz they've got a pretty good amount um and some some really effective stuff but it seems like it's it comes from a different movie because it's it's also you know Gidra's it, it seems like a side quest for Gidra yeah 
because like Gidra's main intent, as we soon find out, is there's a couple other scenes where it's flying around and it's sucking up children and making them yeah. disappear. Yeah. And then and later, later transporting them into a giant sack. Uh, uh, yeah, it looks like a, a giant. Um, looks like a yoke. It looks like a yoke, or it looks like uh, I don't know if you ever watched um, Fear Factor. It's obviously where Joe Rogan peaked. Um, where they they had to eat like uh, deer testicles or whatever. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a giant testicle that these kids are being deposited in, complete with like the uncomfortable like veins. It's very veiny. Yeah, it's. <laughs> sick. I mean, hey, it could have been worse. It could have been <laughs> Neverland Ranch. Inside is like some kind of like weird like. It, it kind of feels like a. Like an art exhibit you'd go to. Yeah, like, like a... I, I, I've been to museums, like those yeah. temp museums. They're about like, you know, this is about exploring the mind, you know. Yeah, and, or... And, and, and it feels like one of those, but it, it, it's like, I guess, a torture chamber. Right, that like eventually it's... eventually like blue lava. It, it, it's like um, a postmodern exhibit, like at the Hirshhorn about like yeah. the bourgeois nature of uh, winter wonderland Christmas uh, displays where it's like all the pine trees are just covered in snow but it's like now it's ominous and like scary or whatever and it's like really important it's like an important work by an important artist that's exactly. kind of what it looks that's like that's why but, you have to spend forty dollars to get in uh, well the Hirshhorn is is a Smithsonian uh, museum oh, so that is right. free yeah, so that is free of charge you can just go in um so anyways um yeah but all the kids are just trapped in there and why gidra is doing this we don't know uh it's it's i mean i guess it's like planning on taking all the children in the world and putting him there doesn't look big enough yeah we we don't get like (laughs) some kind of like i mean you know, it's not like the Pied Piper where we actually, like, understand why he's doing this. Right. Like, Gidra is just like, I'm stealing children now and making them scared. Right. That's what I do. Right. That's the, the that's the Gidra, you know, that's the Gidra guarantee. Yeah. Um, Which it, is... It, there, there's no, like, I could understand, like, if this was like an end of the world scenario, you'd think that he would just be, like, blowing up the world. Yes. Kidnapping children. Right. You know, for some nefarious pur- purpose, like... When the Mysterians were trying to kidnap women, like, we understand their reason. Um, and, and with this, it's just like it's kidnapping kids. And it's just like, I mean, okay, so there, there won't be a future? That, <laughs> right. It's, I, it's, I, I guess. But, it's, but parents can have more kids. Like. Well, it's like, number one, parents can have more kids. And it's, it's weird. It is very weird the way they do this. Because, like, they show basically two methods that Gidra easily has at its disposal for destroying the world. Method, sorry, method number one is simply flying over cities, and they instantly are atomized. They're instantly yeah. completely obliterated, and everyone in them dies. Okay, that's method number one. Method number two, acting like, you know, a character from Sid and Marty Croft... <laughs> <laughs> and kind of like, or the uh, the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you know, and kind of like, you know, tiptoeing around to the schools and like grabbing all the kids and putting them in the space testicle and then waiting, I don't know, what, 80 years until yeah. the rest of the human population dies off from not... Yeah. 
And then I guess going, Ghidra's also would have to make several other trips back out anytime anyone has a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and so also, that's method two. That's method it two. In Japan. It, right. It in Japan. This is a worldwide thing. Um, that's method number two. And what we quickly find out is that Ghidra's like, after some thinking, perhaps a meeting of its the minds of its three heads, it decides really to go all in on this like child kidnapping strategy. And it's just like, again, you can just fly over cities and murder everyone in them instantly. Yeah. Zero effort. Yeah. You're not even flapping your fucking wings. You're just yeah. like, you're just there and everyone's yeah. dead. So it's like... What is happening? Anyways, uh, so yeah, and then Gidra and Mothra fight for an hour in yeah. various forms. Yeah, uh, a beam, a beam battle. Uh, you know, Mothra, you know, finally appears from behind. Uh, Shota, by the way, because he's in the forest, happens to have like some kind of vantage point because you know Gidra is enormous, so you can see you know Gidra just hovering over the testicle and scaring the kids because uh, you know. You know, again, like you're right, Mike. This seems like something that Hoodoo or Witchy Poo would do, <laughs> and not like you know Gidra, not like a terror from beyond space. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Charles Elson Riley was still alive; he should have played Gidra. Absolutely. Anyways, more um, Charles Nelson Riley, more Charles yeah, Nelson Riley references. Um, the Charles Nelson Riley Pod War Hour. Anyways, so Mothra appears from behind, uh, I don't know if it's Mount Fuji, a mountain. Um, and, yeah, the beam battle begins, and they start to have a pretty, you know, action. I mean, you know, at least uh, film-wise, it's pretty dynamic, uh, you know, fight-ish, you know. Um, and, oh, and then, like, which ends with um, a Ghidra, like, beating the tar out of Mothra and Mothra like barely gets away. Yeah. Um, um Gidra it, Gidra ends up getting like distracted by something. Well so... Gid, Gidra um I I wrote Gidra Forest Stomps Mothra. Yes. <laughs> Which to me I perked up immediately because it was like yeah. a moment of like actual actual like visceral monster on monster uh like combat as, as opposed yeah. to just endless spamming attacks of yeah of of ray laser battles and like mothra yeah. has like 60 different variations of lasers shooting out of it and it's just like you're watching this and you're just yeah. like you know it's just weird that mothra never chose to use any of this uh you know extensive arsenal of laser attacks on any of its opponents in the showa series i wonder why that is yeah <laughs> just holding back it, the whole it, time uh i mean um, i guess because it's mothra leo and not the other mothra but like jesus something like that but you know when when mothra is like treated like you know an x-wing or a, right a roided out x-wing or, or mothra to me is like the uh from um R-Type, the video game R-Type, you know, that many different, uh, it's, it's, it's like a rail shooter, uh, uh -oh. or Gradius 5 is another one, where it's just like, it's one of those type things where it's just endless amounts of projectiles, and it's just like, after a while, it's just, it's not very compelling, it's just like, yeah. oh, shot another laser, great, uh, but, yes, yeah, so, getting back to your point, 
finally Gidra gets angry and and just Forrest stomps Mothra and it's like it's it's great you can actually see some of the scales uh on uh, Gidra's you know in its midriff area kind of like flecking off as it like because yeah. so, like those suits are not built for physical like contact they're only built for yep. like to look pretty while yeah. like you know laser beams come out of them so mm-hmm. you know it is interesting to me that the suit immediately began to break <laughs> the one time it actually had to physically execute something on screen um you can't take much more of this that that's that scotty impression anyways um uh, then I, I, the next thing I have after Mothra Force Stomp is, uh, I believe, so Mothra kind of goes away with its tail between its legs. Yes, and he um, crashes. Um, mm, uh, oh, oh, we forgot to mention that Gidra like hypnotizes. Right. Um, so the blue one. So the blue one Laura. chokes out Maul, and they like, fall. Yeah. So it's Maul and Fairy that meet up with Shota. And they lead him to yeah. I'm, I just Mothra. sorry before you get too far. Oh. Um, I just so um, yes. The 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 Elias on fairy fly up to like Gidra's eyeball, and so they're oh, like yeah. very very small. And Gidra, like, gives them the evil eye, you know, like the thousand yard stare or whatever, and that. They both they both look into it, and Fairy looks into it as well. But for some reason, Laura is the only one affected by this because I don't know random plot nonsense. And then yes, as you said, Laura has the most violent heel turn since Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Jannetty through the window in Brutus Beefcake's barber shop uh, on WWF. <laughs> like, it's completely uncalled for and totally out, out of nowhere. You know, Laura's just <laughs> evil now. And uh, so, and, and, and strangles uh, Mara. And I think... I, I don't know. She like she ends up in the space testicle with uh, Bellavara somehow, and, oh, yeah. and then it's oh, just well, Bellavara. We we also need to mention because again, like twenty things are happening at once. A uh, Bellavara gets the tentacles. Oh yeah, yes, I wrote that so, down so too. This is like the fourth Gidra me- method that we forgot to mention. Like the testicle also, you know, uh, sends out tentacles that are not attached. They it just like they come out and it it brings people to the testicle. Yes. At which point I'm like, is Gidra even necessary? <laughs> well, yeah, like this thing seems like a totally different entity to Gidra, and it just Gidra seems just really tacked on. But uh, yeah, I wrote. I also wrote down Bellavara gets the tentacles because, yeah. again, this weird sort of like incongruous. Um, you know, this is a children's movie. This this is to 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 a distracting and and almost negative you know extent this is a children's movie uh but you know god bless the japanese you they still find a way to get in like the disgusting scene where where tentacles just come and wrap themselves around you know they wrote they wrap themselves around shota as well and take him into the space tentacle but, you know, that's just to justify doing it to Bellavara because she, you know, she gets wrapped up and she's making the noises, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And it's, it's uncomfortable. It's yeah. uncomfortable. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was watching, I was like, you guys are going to have a tentacle scene <laughs> in one of these Rebirth of Mothra movies? Jesus. It would be like the last place I would ever think there would be in, in any, you know, Godzilla whatever universe movie. Right. It would be in these movies. So it's yeah. it's, it's quite yeah. stunning, quite shocking. I'll take the, the water sports from the previous movie over this. Because um, yeah. that was at least funny right. in an uncomfortable way, but it was funny. Yeah, uh, and this is just like, um, so yeah, Bellavara gets the tentacles. Uh, Maul and Shota team up to do what? I'm not sure. I think. Well. They go to Mothra, and they find Mothra in the forest because, you know, Mothra's huge. They go through a cave for some reason, and uh, and meanwhile, his parents are looking for him. Uh, but that's not important. It, it really does nothing. Yeah. Does nothing. They just need something to do. So they go through the cave, and he's saying, I like being alone, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they meet up with Mothra, and after a long, like, translation session where, like, um, Maul is just speaking gibberish to Mothra, and Mothra is just you know chirping back. Um, they decide to uh, you know time travel, a la Avengers Endgame. Uh, <laughs> in this movie, it's like, well, Moth Leo Mothra cannot beat Ghidorah at this stage. The only way we're going to stop it is by going back in time when you know, Ghidra, like, when he started to kill the dinosaurs and therefore was not as powerful. Um, right. Let so, alone, like, go back in time far enough to, like, before Ghidra even showed up on the planet. Right. And, like, yeah. it's so dumb. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I wanted to say, just for, for our due struthers or whatever, this is the sequence where uh, Rainbow Mothra transforms into uh, Aqua Mothra for a second and then into Lightspeed Mothra uh, during the, the time travel because it's having to fly just so fast. Um, and it looks like yeah. it's going through the like the tunnel from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when they're going on the, like <laughs> the, the riverboat from hell <laughs> ride or whatever. <laughs> There's no telling where you are going. Um, yeah. yeah, and this is also like cuts back and forth. Like Shota then ends up like Maul ends up being turned into like a uh, uh, like a, a crystal. Uh, I forget why. As Elvara you do. ends up in the testicle with, and Guruguru is like out of action, and she's trying to like like get him to start up, but she starts fighting with Laura, who is like evil now. Like even to the point where Bellavara is like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right. So so they. There, 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 there's some fighting going on in there, um, and then Mothra. You know, we see Mothra going back in time uh, to like the Jurassic or whatever period, and uh, Gomo makes a comeback. Mind you, this is 1998, so there have been two Jurassic Park movies. Yes, thank <laughs> by you. This point, uh, can we uh, finally talk about the dinosaurs in this sequence? Yeah, yeah. Holy like, shit! I'm pretty sure that. 
Yeah, I, I think they gave, uh, God, what's his name? Stan Winston. Like, uh, I think they secretly flew him over, kidnapped him, flew him over, and had him make, I mean, like, Gomo, half assed Gomo puppets. Like, uh, maybe production. this was Stan Winston's, like, drunk uncle with a gun to his head, <laughs> blindfolded, because these things, I swear to God, it just looks like they went down to a Michaels and, and got, like, the, uh, you know, just like the. The static, like from a plastic mold, uh, from like government plastic uh, dinosaurs that you used to have when you were like, you know, two years old or three yeah. years old, and you, you just like bite up. the heads, you know, to like yeah. whatever. Like it looks like a stagehand is like literally grabbing onto the legs of those, those, those plastic like dolls with, by the way, no points of articulation, and no. kind of like. Just kind of like literally kind of shaking them and moving them as if they yeah. have life. I mean, it's look, and I feel like we could talk about th these dinosaur effects for like six hours. How that, yeah. It's like, okay, but mainly let, let's get it down to this. And we watch these movies wherein it's clearly human actors inside suits pretending pretending mm -hmm. to be monsters it's pseudomation and right. you, you know we know that from the jump we knew that going in and we love it there's a there's a sort of a kitsch element uh kitsch element to it or whatever and, and sometimes it's really good sometimes you can't tell other times it's more obvious and they move more like a human or whatever but it's like that's the standard and we accept we accept that and it's like mm -hmm. okay that's the world that these movies take place in and that's how the filmmakers have decided to present these stories to us and so we accept that and embrace it and love it uh possibly to a fault um but like this is not that this is a violation of that contract and it's it's i think it's taking advantage of the audience and being like oh so you like you know, special effects that aren't CG or whatever, like old-fashioned dinosaur special effects. Okay, the here's some static models, and they do have a little bit of movement. Like they can move their, the T-Rex can move his legs, um, a little bit. You know, but like, it. I'm telling you, like, the the little demonic puppet from from Deep Red from Dario Gento had more points of articulation and that was from like 1975 or whatever like what what is going this is look the bottom line is these dinosaur effects and to your point at this point Jurassic Park had been released and The Lost World had been released uh, the year before the lot the Lost World Jurassic Park the second Jurassic Park film had both been released at this point and to put up and this is a lengthy sequence with these dinosaurs yeah. by the way this isn't like a blink and you'll miss it type thing this is right. like they go into the world of these dinosaurs yeah. for like and they give them like anthropomorphized like traits right like, like, like three minutes of screen time or something minimum and like I'm going to say this is the one time in any one of these movies where these effects are just flatly unacceptable, unacceptably yeah. bad. <laughs> and that takes a lot <laughs> for one of these movies. Yeah. But like there's there's yeah. like there's a certain charm to it. I will say there's a there is a certain charm to it, but it's 
and it sticks out definitely because uh, the rest of the movie is just sort of static models with like you know laser effects coming out of it fighting each other mm-hmm. but like there just had to be a better way of doing right. this there just had to be but they had to make uh, more Mothra suits so uh, yeah the, the budget had to be uh, sacrificed but yeah. um, so uh, young so so we the scene one of the scenes within this like back and forth um betwixt the past and the you know 1998 uh the the we we see a tyrannosaurus trying to eat uh triceratops which is doing a terrible job at defending itself when then Ghidra <laughs> comes out of the forest and picks up the tyrannosaurus to which i was expecting liam neeson to come out and say there's always a bigger fish yeah which um, that was by the way again special effects comparison alert um you know, that scene had been filmed at that point, like Star Wars Episode yeah. One. for as much as we decried that movie. And thank you for giving us an excuse to reference the prequels yet again. But this way, it's in a positive light because, again, like the special effects in Star Wars Episode One, that was four months away at that point, like May oh, yeah. 1999. And this was yeah. December 1998. So, again... You know, those are your contemporaries. And it's just like, again, static plastic children's dolls. (laughs) Like, and you're right, the Stegosaurus is not defending itself at at all. It looks like a brick that has like a Stegosaurus suit festooned over it. You know, it's just like it has that much movement. So horrible. But yeah, I look, the concept of like uh, Ghidra like a you know one dinosaur a larger dinosaur eating a smaller dinosaur and then Ghidra eating the smaller di- or sorry yeah. the one to one the always bigger fish thing that's funny yeah. but like it, it any more time spent on these dinosaurs just kills <laughs> just kills the movie it's just like <laughs> You're looking at it and you're just like, just cut away. Cut away from the dinosaurs. We don't need any more of this. We know what's happening here. <laughs> we know where the money went. Illuminati confirmed. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> move forward. Uh, so, at some point, Shota, uh, you know, the fighting's going on between Belavara, Leah, Maul is down for the count. Uh, Shota's like, you know, oh, uh, Ghidra looks like he's weakening. Um, I'm sorry. I just wanted to also mention Mala died from the time travel. Yeah. To to get Mothra back in time to fight right. Cretaceous Ghidra, um, Mala is dead. Yeah. She she turns into some like crystallite being, something like that. Um, so she's just like uh, in that pond next to like the the, the floating weeds. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So Ghidra starts losing its power i'm starting to draw a blank right now um well okay so mothra gets back into uh the cretaceous period it's it returns from light speed mothra back into rainbow mothra uh right it fights cretaceous Ghidra, which is a different mm-hmm. suit it's a slightly yes. sleeker kind of looks like a predecessor to um the godzilla final wars uh, Ghidra. Oh, like suit. the Kaiser Ghidorah. Yeah, the Kaiser Ghidorah. Yeah, 
suit. Um, and they fight for a while, and then eventually, yeah. uh, uh, Cretaceous Ghidorah actually starts biting chunks of uh, Mothra Leo slash Rainbow Mothra's wings, like starts mm-hmm. e- starts eating it, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool and, and appreciated. But then, um, you know, Rainbow Mothra slash Mothra Leo uh, flies uh, Ghidra into a volcano, which is exploding mm-hmm. at the time, and looks like it sacrifices itself. Th- that's the way it's filmed. And, right. you know, you cut back to present day, 1998, the future, and uh, the space testicle, which... I also want to mention is in the interim, there's also like the ticking clock of uh, these porous uh, whole areas start erupting with this viscous purple discharge, which apparently is acidic. And it's, it's so it's like the kids are all trying to get to high ground within the space testicle. That yeah. may be the most ludicrous sentence oh. anyone has ever yeah, said. And then uh, Belarva gets the swords together and she starts like, cutting her way out like she starts trying to cut her way through the testicle and it's like kind of pathetic because like you know yes her sword grows a little bigger when they're all connected but it's like she's like six inches and the sword is like barely any bigger it's like what what is this doing it it, yeah no it's like they were just trying to pad out time anyways absolutely um Um, so okay so then then you cut back so the space testicle fades away. The children are all just sitting there in the woods being like, yay, we're free, or whatever. Um, and then uh, Rainbow Mothra is spit out of the volcano and lands and is all kind of burned up and stuff. Um, there was a sequence as well where uh, Cretaceous um, Ghidra like, is, like, sets mothra on fire for a while which i thought was kind of cool but um anyways so like basically rainbow mothra is pretty pretty messed up at this point is kind of like almost dead and then these three sort of like dinosaur caterpillars kind of come out and their their official toho name is uh primitive mothra uh and there's three of them and they encircle rainbow mothra and shoot out the the cocoon substance but it's got um it's like rainbow colored now which i thought was really yeah. nice um possibly because it's rainbow mothra we don't know uh and that kind of covers and and you think it's like a death shroud i mean that's how the scene is filmed where yeah. it's like oh you know brave rainbow mothra gave its life or whatever you don't think it's like a cocoon really because it's not it's sort of flat it doesn't have the round shape to it or whatever and so now cut back to the future 1998 um and bellavara and laura are like and i guess laura's not evil anymore i don't don't even remember when that happened there might have been a song involved uh (laughs) um okay here we go mentally brain is breaking uh right so they're like hey you know why are we still here even talking if history changed if gidra was was dead you know we shouldn't even be here or whatever they're picking this this hill to die on 
for like time travel, you know, paradoxes, uh, which I thought was a little weird. Uh, but then, okay, and I did forget to mention during the fight between Rainbow Mothra and Cretaceous Ghidra, um, Cretaceous Ghidra did get one of its tails blown off by yes. Mothra, and its tail demonstrated sentience and quickly buried itself underground. Right. And so when you cut back to the future, 1998, um, then when just when then when the Elias are talking, that's when uh, Ghidorah like comes once again just out of a fireball, just classic Ghidorah stuff, and it looks the same as before. And I was just like, when upon watching it initially, I was like, oh okay, Ghidorah's just back. But I you know I read some stuff, did some research, and apparently. That is, they pulled a War of the Gargantuas type situation, and like that was supposed to be a new Ghidra that grew from the piece of the tail that buried itself, which was not uh, communicated at all in the movie. Right, right. Um, which it's like that makes in an, in a stupid way more sense. Mothra breaks through this, you know, I, I guess this this post-metamorphosis cocoon whatever so and you know the the fairies are like oh after she's been under there for millions and millions of years to come out at this moment and then they proceed to have like another like pretty you know well you know done fight uh other kids uh are, start to get recaptured by Ghidra again and the parents are freaking out but that's not important um so and, there's a pretty nice fight and i wanted to mention it's it's now it's it changes into armor mothra Armor form. Digivolves too. Anyway, <laughs> so it's just because people, you know, it's important to get the names right. It's Armor Mothra right. now, no. which basically right. just You're looks right. like the metal, metal Mothra. Yeah. Sh shiny, Mothra. fast and yeah. furious. You know, Mountain Dew coat red. Uh, listening to whatever "Come, Milady" by uh, Crazy Town or whatever. <laughs> man by metallica um but anyway so they have a pretty decent fight where mothra then like kind of turns the tables on Ghidra and like Ghidra finds itself at a disadvantage i think they, they try and reverse like how Ghidra stomped on mothra in the first battle and then mothra kind of like knocks Ghidra over in the same fat fashion so Ghidra feels vulnerable they fly back up in the air and then oh. all of you know, a samurai movie. Oh, yeah. Mothra, like, they cross at each other, kind of like two samurai, like, running at each other with their swords, and then they pause, Ghidra turns around, and he just... Does he explode? I well, forget. Does he explode? Yeah, I wanted to say that, first of all, um, to get the full to get the full visual for our listeners, first of all, uh, Armor Mothra, whose wings are like swords, kind of, blades, at least, yeah. um, cuts Ghidra's wing off it takes a couple at first it puts like a slice in it and then it um spears Ghidra like goldberg from wrestling you know, like it's like or roman reigns give, gives it gives Ghidra a spear uh which uh, for you non-wrestling fans it's like when you just run at someone and tackle their midsection um and that's what mothra does to Ghidra in the air and then Ghidra gets up again, and then Armor Mothra 
completes the cut on the wing. Yeah. And, and so the wing is completely, I think it's uh, Ghidra's left wing is completely gone. And yet it's still just sort of hovering Fine. in the air. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I guess we're just completely in la-la land now or whatever. Uh, but then, yeah, that's it's exactly right. I thought of a samurai movie, the way it's filmed, because yeah. uh, Armor Mothra kind of goes. And it's it's not like he punctures through. Gidra, it's more like he makes like sort of, he, he like phases through Gidra. He's like uh, mm-hmm. Neil Breen in the movie Pass Through and just sort of like, just sort of phases through Gidra, you know? And uh, and then, yeah, it's, but uh, everything else is exactly like a samurai movie. Uh, just sort of the slow turn of them facing each other and then Gidra kind of almost does just kind of looking at Mothra from the side doesn't even have time to fully turn around uh yeah. and, and it, it turns into like crystal and then mm-hmm. explodes so it's like super weird um but then yeah and then once again for a second time all of the children are back and this part is amazing because it's a masterpiece of how to not construct a scene uh, it's a master class in how to like not write and or film a scene because they have like, and you may know what I'm talking about. They have all of the uh, the news media, news vans, yeah. reporters, and cameras and stuff, and they're all set up and they're all kind of like almost falling over each other, uh, and they're being they're at this sort of fence. They're on a road and they're facing yeah. a hillside. And they're all like, just very impetuously, just sort of like, oh, dear, dear, just filming nothing, filming nothing. Yeah. And then these kids run over the hill that have just been freed by, you know, Gid- Gidra's demise, uh, like, you know, 20 seconds ago. Yeah. And... And so they have the shot of the children like running over the hill, and so they film them, and like all the parents are there. But it's like they didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? How like how did yeah. all the people? Unless each one of those news agencies has a psychic working for them, and like maybe that's what they Miki have, uh, is doing what's now. Your name from the High Sci series. Uh, yeah, Miki. Miki. Yeah. Is <laughs> like after you know uh, Godzilla versus Desestroya. Uh, you know, is now working as a freelance psychic for the news outlets, and that's how they knew that's where the kids were going to be. Otherwise, it just it immediately jumps out when you're watching. It's like, this makes no sense. But anyways, movie about a big flying moth. Yeah. So who cares? But, um... And then the uh, Shota comes up to his somewhat estranged father i guess not really and uh they have like a heart to heart like he it's like he's gonna punch his dad and his dad catches the fist like that was some thing they had established earlier in the movie and i couldn't remember if they did or not um see that would have been some you know character if they had done that at the beginning of the movie uh something like that like his if his dad like had some depth to him it's just like come on don't you you know or you know maybe he he left school because like he got punched out like in a a wrestling match or something and you know his dad's like yeah you gotta because it's the 90s like you gotta fight back and you know and and then at the end he he, like fights back 
or, or something like that. I don't know. Any, any, anything, other... anything, anything to graft anything. onto. Anything. So, and then, yeah, uh, the fucking little people fall off on the toy moth, and then that's the end of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, God. Uh, <laughs> we made it. Oh, uh, God. Anyways, um, so watch them if you have like a one-year-old who like likes pretty colors you know uh, on the screen or maybe not i don't know i don't know who should watch this movie and i don't know why they should watch it um yeah. I, I think at the end this is just a an exercise in being a completionist it's like okay i could have lived perfectly fine without seeing them however they are kaiju movies from toho need to be uh right analyzed it's it's um, a th- it's a theatrically released film with Mothra and Ghidra. There was no way yeah. we were never not going to watch it uh, or review it, frankly, for this program. But right. the, uh, shall we say, length of time that we waited to do so should be some indication uh, as to the films. Uh, as your, the indication is your, your prescient need to watch them. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, so don't, if, if you need to pair this, like pair, pair these movies, you know, if, if you're binge watching, you know, and unemployed right now, then, you know, and, and you can binge watch, then, you know, I'd pair these with like some good Mothra movies, like the original or Mothra versus Godzilla or hell Godzilla versus the sea monster. Now you wait just a minute talking about Godzilla versus the sea monster that way. Okay. <laughs> I watched uh Ebera Horror of the Deep earlier this week on the Criterion mm-hmm. uh video streaming service and uh that is uh definitely a movie. Anyways, yeah, yeah, um, movie. <laughs> it exists. It um exists. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, and some of us do. Yeah. Um well, so. folks, they're, you know, movies. Um, so, yeah, so don't watch these with, like, any of the straight-to-Netflix Godzilla movies. I mean, not that you should be watching those in the first place, but, um, you know, if you're a completionist like, completionist like us, I would suggest, you know, pairing these with just better, older movies. I think, yes, I think a good way to do it is to set it up for a three-day weekend, okay? Day one, watch Mothra from 1961 and then watch Rebirth of Mothra 1 then day 2 watch um, you know Mothra versus Godzilla then Rebirth of Mothra 2 and then day 3 Ghidorah the three headed monster (laughs) or uh, Godzilla versus Monster Zero (laughs) Uh, you know Invasion of Astro Monster and then Rebirth of Moth of Three. So you get those, you know, spread it out over three days with like amazing other films interspersed. You'll be fine. We are always, always have our, you know, our ears open and our, you know, our nose to the grindstone as far as reviewing other stuff. But, you know, we have a certain level of criteria that for for new movies that we review and stuff so 
you know, I'm not saying that we're going to be having like episodes come out every week or whatever, every month. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be sort of a, it's kind of a, you know, we're into the uh, kind of like uh, old masters episodes at this point, you know, <laughs> uh, like when, well, not quite not quite Clint Eastwood, because he's making, like, one every year, but, like, oh, I don't know, you know. Francis Ford Coppola with his yeah. digital... <laughs> this is, uh, yes. His, his We're a... DB masterpieces. <laughs> We're in our Francis Ford Coppola, current Francis Ford Coppola phase, so this is our Twixt, starring yeah. Val Kilmer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, hidden gems, few and far between, is what I'm trying to say. So anyways, um, you've been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name is Michael Kelly, uh, Nathan Bear as our, uh, you know, co-host. And um, you can, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us. Uh, We're on Podbean. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe to us there. Um, We're also on Facebook at the Godzilla pod war hour. And, uh, we are on Twitter as well at Michael Kelly at Godzilla pod war. So hit us up. And, uh, this is, we got some free time on our hands now. So, um, that's, that's what we have to say about that. And that's what we have to say about the rebirth of Mothra trilogy. Nate, any, uh, closing thoughts, sir? It's over. It's finally over. <laughs> yeah, I you know watching this, I, I uh, with Mala, I kept on thinking of Chewbacca's wife from the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> and Art Carney's just like Mala, come and meet me in the kitchen. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't know which one is better, the Star Wars Holiday Special or or these movies. It's but it's like I mean, neck and Star neck. Wars- it's neck and yeah, neck. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, though, the Star Wars Holiday Special had real stars like B. Arthur and Kiss. Right, uh, and and Harvey Corman as that yes. like f- four-armed like Julia Ch- space Julia yeah. Child. Yeah. God, Jesus. Uh, yeah. But anyways, we'll take you out on one of the fabulous uh, songs that was sung to move some plot device forward, which we have already forgotten, which is unfortunate because I've watched this movie twice in the last five days. Okay. Enjoy and ever forward, everybody. All right. Yeah, yeah.